Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. The Buck Rising Show is presented by Plant Moran. The Buck Rising Show, getting you through your lunch break with the latest on the Titans. Just keep your head on a swivel. Wait, people just think they're going to walk in here and I'm going to take them out? Uh, have you met you? On 104.5 The Zone. we got to get out of here before I blow a gasket. You ready, man? Party people in the place to be. Uh-huh. It's about that time for us to... Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're here. We're back. Welcome into the Indiana Convention Center, live from the 2024 NFL Annual Scouting Combine. It's lovely to be here with you. Lucas and Jackson are back there making a go. Kirby Allen Kirby is here by my side. I feel safer for it, I think, most days. Depends on the day. 615 737-1045 737-1045 is the number. You got the FNM Bank chat if you want to interact. I've got it in front of me today, so you can tell me how dumb I look to my face instead of me having to go back and hear about it after the fact. That's just fine. We love to see you guys on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Make sure you are chiming in there, and we'll uh, get to your comments throughout the course of the show. Greg Cosell is going to do a live episode of The Install with us in just about 20 minutes, and ironically enough... We've got a big, well, is it a show announcement, Lucas, that we that we are doing today? I guess it's show adjacent, yeah? Show adjacent. Show adjacent. So a show adjacent announcement here in the first hour. We'll tell you what's going on. We're very excited about it. Luke is probably not excited about it. I'm excited about it. Either way, it's going to be fun. You're going to want to know here in just a little bit. Um, but we have to start in the obvious place, yes? We have to start with what my... Uh, turn of events turned into last night because you you bullied me into going to this basketball game okay me you you bullied me you peer pressured me you bullied me i didn't want to go i knew that it would make me sad i knew that it would make me angry i knew that i would have an emotional response as soon as i set foot in the city of Bloomington, Indiana, this is your fault, what happened to me last night. It's my fault that you your ended fault. up having one of the most memorable Indiana basketball experiences of your life and got a win in your beloved Indiana, uh, oh my goodness, remind me the... What, uh, Assembly Hall. Assembly Hall, thank you. Uh, yes, so I, I apologize, Buck, for giving you the memory of a lifetime. Okay, it it is 100% the memory of a lifetime, kids, let me tell you. And, you know, not very often in Middle Tennessee Sports Talk Radio do we open with Indiana men's basketball, but we're going to make an exception this morning. I So they played Wisconsin last night, okay? I haven't been in Assembly Hall in 10 years. Uh, Lucas, when, when you make jokes about you not knowing that I'm a sports fan until I start to talk about Indiana basketball – you would have laughed in my face last night. I was so embarrassing taking my sister to that basketball game. I started to, I, I throughout the course of the first half, not just because they were leading and uh, Khalil Ware was playing out of his mind, thank God, uh, I started to tear up 
so many times throughout the course of the first half, just completely unprompted. I didn't know what I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know how to control myself. I kept looking over at Lily, and she was like, "Oh my God, are you okay? Is something wrong? Do you need to leave?" I said, "I don't. I don't know what's happening here. I don't. I don't know what's going on physically in my body that is making me have an emotional response that I can't identify, other than to say I could not have been happier to be back in that building. I uh, Assembly Hall is home, and every time." You know, that I forget what it is to be a sports fan, because it's been a little while since I've gotten to be like a real-life sports fan. Uh, it just it it caught me up so many different times in that first half. Humiliating for me uh, to look down at my 21-year-old sister, who could not have been less interested in her 14 and uh, 13 basketball team. She said she hadn't been to a game since last year. And, you know, maybe I was uh, getting uh, tearing up a little bit because the entire upper balcony where the, all of the students were, where some of my drunkest and happiest college memories were, completely empty on a Tuesday night. Uh, but I kept, I kept tearing up in the first half of that basketball game, Lucas. I didn't know what to do with myself. I feel like you want me to rip you for this, and I'm not going to. because I do uh, want you to rip me for this. I, it would make me feel to. better about it. It's a rare human moment. You're you're so embarrassed by this. Like I, I think I tear up every time I walk into Neyland Stadium. Like It's It's okay. It's okay to have feelings about things, Buck. Hey, that's nostalgia, bud. That's exactly what that is. That is you, without realizing it, reliving all of the emotions, the highs and lows from your youth. And let's be honest, that was your youth. And now you're my best back. days are behind me, Kirby. Well, it's downhill from now on. <laughs> but I mean, but that's I mean, it happens to me. Dude, I can drive through a street in my hometown, and suddenly a memory will pop up. Similar thing is it's it's called. Getting older, no offense, but you're reliving the good stuff. That's a good thing. It's all right. I, but I don't want to. Be, I don't want it to be all right. I didn't like it. I, did, I hated it. <laughs> Put your on pants on and act like a man. <laughs> I, I didn't want it to happen. I don't. I don't like these these things that you describe as emotion. It makes me. Uh, it makes me very uncomfortable. I literally it was like Ricky Bobby on the on the interview. I don't know what to do with my hands, type of situation. And then. <laughs> to to further, we haven't even gotten to the best part. <laughs> in the second half of the game, okay, for those of you who were not watching on Peacock last night, because why would you be? <laughs> Tied at 54-all with about 10 minutes to play in the second half, there starts an alarm, starts to go off in Assembly Hall, okay? And now I'm thinking it's it's like a storm siren, right, that... Maybe every once in a while you hear in a rap song it starts to make you nervous that you're going to get pulled over. Maybe you think it's just a part of the in-arena atmosphere, as I did. But there's a siren going off in Assembly Hall. And I'm not really paying attention to it because I think, you know, this is just a part of the part of the in-arena deal. And my sister points out to me, no, you idiot, there's a fire alarm going off. And all of a sudden I start to see police and, and uh, attendants and stuff like that streaming down the... The, the stairways and the aisles of assembly, clearing people out to evacuate assembly hall for my first basketball game back in a decade because, of course, I can't have nice things. Just when I start to get to the point where I'm like, you know what, this is okay. This is great. I'm having a great time. I love Indiana basketball. This is the thing that makes me love sports. Like, it's, it is the thing that, in the same way that for you guys, for some of you, it's the Titans. For some of you, it's the Vols. For some of you, it's the Preds. Uh, God help you if you're a Vanderbilt fan, but for some of you, it's the Commodores. Whatever the case may be, like, just when I was starting to get myself back into a place where I'm like, all right, I, I can do this. It's going to be okay. Just ripped away from me. 
ripped away from me in the most violent fashion to the point where I'm literally being told that I have to evacuate the place that I love, the sports place in my life that I love the most. Now, they won the damn basketball game. But you cannot tell me that there's any kind of better comedic irony than what the hell happened to me last night. Well, and they were winning when the fire alarm went off, right? No, they were tied, 54-54. Okay. But, but it, you know, I bet the environment was great, uh, back-and-forth game. It looked like it was a good game against Wisconsin. It was a good game. But uh, it, nothing would have been funnier than them actually playing well in a competitive game at home in a rocking crowd. Fire alarm goes off, they evacuate, then they get everybody back in, and then Indiana promptly loses and is just <laughs> terrible down the stretch. That would have been unquestionably the funniest outcome. But it's great. I'm glad you had that moment. I'm happy for you. Did you was there ever a resolution as to why the fire alarm was pulled or what, yeah, what? some drunk in the balcony pulled the fire right, off. okay so it was literally just that i mean there was no there were, there was no actual danger yeah well because i was listening i my, my sister tried to talk me in to going back in after they said all right the building is safe to come back in but the, you know by that point i didn't want to wait too long there was uh, there was some pretty heavy storms coming through uh indiana last night yeah, I didn't too. Get caught my up. goodness did you guys did you guys get some some bad stuff at home big time storms Okay, well, I hope everybody is okay and that everybody has power and that and things are right and well uh, in Middle Tennessee. But we got we got a good bit of that up here as well. So I didn't want to get caught up in it, and I was listening to the radio broadcast. God, I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to a Don Fisher IU basketball radio broadcast, but it did things to me that I can't describe. Um, so I was listening to the call, and like my mom was calling me because they they didn't know what happened on the television broadcast. Nobody was telling the the Peacock broadcasting crew what happened they were just having to fill air uh and then finally with i think about a minute left in the first half don fisher had a statement from indiana basketball that there was nothing nothing that happened somebody pulled a fire alarm by state law they had to evacuate the building and as soon as they figured out that there was no no nothing too serious they uh they trotted everybody back in but i i wouldn't i could i wouldn't go back in i was scared i was scared that they, exactly the scenario that you described that they, that they were playing well that they looked good that yeah. they were doing it against wisconsin who they never never i hate greg guard i hate him worse i hate i hate i don't hate him worse than i hate purdue but i do hate greg guard a uh, trip and um, titans on the fnm bank chat asks did buck's tears put out the fire <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> No, Jackson, it's not fantastic. In fact, I'm being accused of having pulled the fire alarm myself just to avoid the pain of <laughs> potentially witnessing an in-person Indiana basketball loss. But they won, damn it. Khalil Ware started the fire, not the drunk in the balcony. Unbelievable night. Unbelievable night. So we'll talk, we'll talk local sports the rest of the day. I just had to get that off my chest because for all the, for all the lead-up, that we had for all the suffering that that team has caused me to go to go back to assembly hall last night was really really I, I needed it I needed it it felt good glad you had that memory glad Indiana basketball got that massive win to improve to checking my notes fifteen and thirteen yeah that's right <laughs> getting dusty over a fourteen and thirteen basketball <laughs> team hey last I will night. say people will respect that from you more than basically any other thing you have ever done <laughs> even though you think it's the thing that will make people have less respect for you it is quite the opposite buck kirby just handed me a handkerchief to, with which to dap my tears uh but greg cosell of nfl films is going to join us here in just a couple of moments greg greg's uh, daughter actually went to indiana i'm sure he was watching the basketball game too but i promise we'll talk prospects not hoops with greg coming up next live from the combine our combine coverage presented by the wonderful folks at Two Rivers Ford, powered by Ford, driven by people. They were kind enough to give me a 2024 Explore to whip up here. No matter how you like to shop, 
online at the dealership or on demand like I did. I custom ordered my Two Rivers Ford. You can do that. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. Searching HVAC near here. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Wow. Nobody local? Huh. Wait, what? We are an HVAC company literally in your neighborhood. Why is she not seeing us? Just all the big chains. Well, it is what it is. What in the... Can you not see See us? us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local HVAC providers. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at CumulusBoost.com. What's up, folks? Anthony Armstrong here. Bob Popple, along with Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Hey, NFL fans. This is Solomon Wilcox, former NFL safety and host of the Believe in Bengals podcast. Catch my show and all 32 Believe NFL podcasts. Listen in to former players give their inside perspective on your favorite team. Search Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. It's always football season, wherever you listen. Always a pleasure to do things like the Combine when we can hang out with our friends. Always good to see Greg Cosell of NFL Films in person. You know him, of course, from the ESPN Matchup Show, NFL Films. We do a little podcast. It's called The Install. You could get it every Wednesday, as a matter of fact. Hey, bud. How are you? We're swell. Thriving. Are you swell? I'm. St- I, no, that's not a word you hear very often these days. Uh, because one, I got to see my basketball team win last night, Greg, which puts me which in uh, has not been happening a whole lot lately. An infinitely better mood. Yes, as as I know you're well aware. But I, I am well aware. I promised the audience because I did 12 minutes of Indiana basketball talk to open a Nashville sports talk radio show. I promised them I'd move on. Uh, but I'm in a good mood. It's always good to see people. It's yeah. uh, it's a great time up here in Indy. Of course, football is at the at the forefront of everything and. Uh, did good interviews with Rand Carthon and Brian Callahan uh, today. I know you got to meet Brian for yeah, the first time. That was really good, yeah, and then hopefully we can stay in touch and talk a little ball. Absolutely, and that's what we, uh, we plan to do here. But before we talk a little ball, bud, you and I did a live show. Uh, May end of May last year, mid May, mid May last year, last year after the draft, mid May last year. I I would say that it was well received at the analog. We did an install live show. The we Hutton had a hotel. Yeah, we had a big time. It was a good crowd. Everybody seemed to enjoy. Big crowd, big crowd, big crowd, big crowd. As we will continue to remind people that it was a big <laughs> crowd. <laughs> uh, what do you think about doing it again? I'm a, I'm up for it. I'm ready to go. Are you up for it? Do we have any kind of fanfare back there, Jackson? Any kind of crappy sports talk radio production? Let's do another install. Let's do another install live. Okay, relax with the crappy production. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be home tomorrow. You better watch it. Back there. All right. You got any plans Friday, May third? Uh, I believe I'll be in Nashville. I believe you will as well because we will be hosting the second. Uh, maybe this is an annual thing, the second annual install live show with yourself, with me, with a cast of hundreds, and uh, uh, I think some uh, some participation from the Titans that we are expecting. Which will be well. awesome. That'll which, be awesome. Which will be really, really cool. The tickets are available at 1045thezone.com. Uh, it's going to be, again, at the Hutton Hotel, the analog venue, which I know you really enjoy. I really enjoy it. Great hotel. And uh, great production staff there. They really did it up to the nines. We are really, really fired up about this. And, and just, 
just for the audience who didn't get to attend last year, uh, we did it after the draft, so we had the full draft class to right, talk about. Is, I think a really good way to go because now you know who the Titans drafted and who are going to be Titans. You know, the best part to me, and, and hopefully we get a crowd, uh, the same crowd and even bigger, was just the interaction with the audience. You know, yeah. to me, that was the most fun. A lot of great questions, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm hoping that that happens again because that was so much fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, we, we did it. Hell, we did for three hours. We could have gone. I know. We could have gone longer. We could have gone a lot yeah. longer for, for the sake of everybody who wanted to get to bed and or, you know, maybe go out afterwards the way that some of us did. I know Greg did not partake. Right, I, right, right. I absolutely no, no, I did not go down to Lower Broadway after that. I just, you know, a little tin roof. I've, I've done Lower Broadway. <laughs> Yeah. And you'll do it again for the end, uh, for the SEC tournament. I will be up, for the SEC tournament, absolutely. Which we look forward to as well. But this is a, it's it's a pretty unique event that Greg and I uh, got the chance to do last year. We're really grateful for the station for facilitating it again. Uh, I know it's going to be awesome. I know we're going to have an even bigger crowd with even more engaging questions. And the way that we broke it down is we had three different segments. We had three different audience Q&As after each it segment that we did. Yep. We had some TV copy. Maybe I'll even go the extra mile and get you some All-22 this year. So that we, would be awesome. So we could do it for real. That would be awesome. Yeah, with a little bit more ramp up, I think all things are possible, Greg. And we even had Slay there for a little bit, too. Oh, you know, we had to have somebody there. Right. right, 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 right. And then yeah. he can, you know, he can t- take the lukewarm vodka shot himself and not subject the rest of us to that, because that's what Slay typically does. But yes, May the 3rd, get your tickets now at 1045thezone.com. There's going to be dinner, drinks, prizes, all kinds of fun, and of course the best NFL breakdown with the best in the business, the main man, Greg Cosell. Uh, so with that, you want to talk a little uh, talk a little prospects? Let's do that. So you uh, you got into offensive line a little bit with 3HL. I did. And of course Greg is regularly on 3HL as well on Thursdays. Uh, you spent some time talking about Joe Alt, the left tackle from Notre Dame, who Titans fans have obviously familiarized themselves with. Anybody who needs offensive line help has familiarized themselves with Joe Alt at this point. And, and you said something to the effect of that you weren't as in love with his tape as a lot of the hype that you, I'm sure you've seen sure. on social media and things yeah. like that. So I'd just like you to yeah. expand. And, and, and I just want to preface that I think what people need to understand and, and I had to learn this, by the way, when I started doing college players years and years ago, is, number one, nothing's black and white. In other words, a guy's not either an all-pro or can't play. It's not one or the other. And number two, no one comes into the NFL as a finished product. They're college players. So when they come into the NFL, they still have to be coached. They have to be taught certain things. They all have some kind of flaw in their game that needs to be worked through. And if you see a flaw on tape, it doesn't mean a guy can't play, okay? So what I saw on tape with, with Alt, and, and I've had conversations since I, I saw it because I've, I've watched a ton of Alt. I actually watched him last summer with his 2022 tape. So I've seen a lot of games of Alt is – He's passive with his hands. He's not a guy who strikes with his hands. And, again, different O-line coaches have different ways they teach. There's different philosophies. Some coaches don't necessarily believe in constantly striking with your hands. Others believe that's absolutely critical. But he was more passive than aggressive with his hands. As I said, I'm not an O-line coach, but I would like to see guys be more aggressive with the way they use their hand strikes. And And I'm just... That concerned me a little bit as he transitions to the league uh, because obviously you have to play against high-quality pass rushers, you know, and and if you're not strong or aggressive with your hands 
and you let guys kind of work through and get into your chest, then you're done. You could weigh 500 pounds, and if guys get into your chest, they move you. Which is something that uh, I think it particularly resonates with Titans fans, Greg, because you and I talk about Andre Dillard and Jalen Duncan a lot, or at yes, least we have yeah. in the last calendar year. And the the basically being late with their hands is yes. something that subjected Dillard basically his entire career yes. to uh, susceptibility to bull rush and things like that as a pass rush technique. And I think when Titans fans hear that, it's not like he can't be coachable and he no. can't learn new techniques, and that's not what you're saying at I had, all. I had an offensive line guy I respect tremendously basically tell me that, yes, what you say is true, but you can also still be a good player. Now, that may well be true. You know, that's the great thing about, for me, talking to so many people trying to keep learning is, you know, I've, I've developed my thoughts over the years just from study, from talking to a lot of people, constantly evolving and learning the game. But I also then develop my own points of view. Um, I, my track record would probably be better than not than not better in terms of this kind of stuff. But, you know, no one's 100% right in an evaluation of players, as everybody knows who does it, sure. even GMs and scouts. You know, you're never 100% right. So it's just something that I really noticed on tape that he was passive. And he has long arms, so he tended to, you know, reach a bit and started to lean forward at times. And that's another thing you got to be really careful of in the NFL because you start to bend at the waist and you lose your base and your balance. Which uh, lunging right, is, right. is something that offensive linemen cannot do. And he's not a lunger in a strict sense, but he's a bender at times. You know, some guys you clearly see they just lunge. And you know those guys, that, that can't happen. Yeah. He's not a lunger in that sense, but he uses his arms, and so therefore he kind of bends a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, in the NFL you go against great pass rushers. You know, I don't, I, I don't know who the uh, – I haven't looked at the Titans' schedule, so I don't know who they play this year. But, you know, if you're playing the really good ones, a, a Bosa, a Miles Garrett, you know, they're going to exploit that. Yeah, absolutely. Greg Cosell of NFL Films is here with us on 104.5 The Zone. We're doing a live episode of the install. You guys there you go. normally get it at 6 p.m. Uh, Central Time. You get it way earlier today, and we get to do it live. Always good to hang out with our buddy Greg. So uh, with, with Alt, what did you like about the tape when you watched him? Uh, because it sounds like Fashano, Olo Fashano from Penn State is your top well, tackle prospect. Uh, I think that I really like the kid from Oregon State, Fuaga. Okay. I love that kid. So let's start with him. Yeah. Um, he is really big. He's a really good athlete. He's nasty. He's physical. He's super competitive. I mean, in the run game, you saw him just, you know, put guys into the ground. You know, he, I love the way he played. And for his size, I thought he was a really good athlete. Um, so, you know. I guess at this point, having done Fishanu, having done Alt, having done Fuaga, having done the kid from Washington, uh, Troy Fatanu, mm -hmm. my sense is right now, and I'll probably see a little more of each guy, you know, so I want people to understand that because this takes time, Buck. You know that. We've been working together for a long time. I hope I want people to understand I'm not watching 20 plays. You know, I'm watching seven, eight games of these guys. I watch a lot of these guys. And. I'm going to do a little more work, but I really like Fuag. If I really, if someone said to me, okay, you have to make a list or else, I'd probably put Fuano at the top right now. Which is typically what I do to Greg. I'm holding a shiv under the table to make him You're give right. us a list. So I, I'd, I'd put Fuaga at the top right now if I had to do that. So the, the level of competition, because you're obviously wa watching uh, a, a bunch of Pac-12 offensive sure. linemen this year, not just, uh, not just the guys at the top, and as you work your way through uh, before April's draft process, 
uh, you'll continue to do so. The level of competition in the Pac-12, the, the, the depth and talent that they have across that league or what remains of that league in the trenches is something that really, really jumps off the tape. Yeah, and, the, and you know, a couple of things that you always notice when you watch offensive linemen, or I think you should notice, I've been taught to notice it, is, you know, Fuaga was hardly ever on the ground. You know, and when, if you see any player, really, any lineman, you know, offense or defense on the ground, it's really tough to make plays on the ground, yeah. you know. So he was never on the ground. I mean, and I watched him, for instance, I did watch him when they played UCLA, when he wor- went against Latu, yeah. and I love Latu. I mean, I think We were speaking La- earlier today. Yeah, I love Latu, and I did him last summer, and I've done a good amount of him this year already from 2023. So, you know, I wanted to see his reps against Latu because now you're seeing two guys that are probably top 15, top 20 picks in the draft and maybe even higher depending on team needs and how drafts the draft plays out so you know he was really good against Latu so Fuaga really uh stood out to me and and one thing Buck I really liked about Fuaga which which I really like when I do this is I didn't know anything about him. He was virgin territory for me. And I like when that's the case because, you know, I, I don't like to see what other people think about guys before I watch them. But, I, of course, I don't live under a rock either, so stuff's out there. Yeah. But Fuaga, to me, was totally virgin territory. And I put the tape on, and I'm like, wow, this, this guy has all the traits that I think play at left tackle in this league. Uh, and, he, and actually, he played right tackle. But he could play either one. And that's another point I want to make. He was the right tackle for two years yeah. at, at uh, Oregon State. I don't believe there's a meaningful delineation anymore between right tackle and left tackle in the NFL. The only delineation is that left tackle is the blind side of the quarterback. But as far as facing pass rushers, the game has totally changed. There are big-time pass rushers on each side of the defense. You know, back 15, 20 years, it was, hey, he's got left tackle feet. You know, this guy can't play left tackle. He doesn't have left tackle feet, so yeah. you've got to put him at a right tackle. But, I mean, right now, you look at the guys, you know, who, who line up on the left side of the defense. You know, T.J. Watt, Bosa lines up there. You know, Von Miller did. I think Von Miller may be done, but he lined up on that side. You're, you're, um, T.J. Watt lines up on that side. You're facing big-time pass rushers on the left side of the defense, so your right tackle has to be a really good pass protector. It's not a case of, oh, you know, it's just a left tackle. So I think that's an important delineation to make because Fuaga played right tackle. I personally think he could play left tackle if you felt that was important. Before we talk about Faltanu, just because offensive line, I feel like it's such a big, it's such an important part of, of how you build your football team and how you go about finding success. Uh, as you as you have gone through you know your entire career and learning how to scout and learning how to evaluate and things like that, uh, how have you approached the offensive line? I know it's different from tackle to guard to center and it things is. like that, but how who would you credit in helping you learn? Uh, well, I, you know I've gotten to know a lot of O line coaches sure. through the years. There's one in particular um, that has been so good to me. We do Zoom calls in the off season, and I just you know I just try to keep learning. Yeah. You know, offensive line is a position that. And, and, again, tackles are different than interior guys in terms of how you evaluate. When I started evaluating, I was way too focused on athleticism for interior guys. And then I kind of learned over the years that, yeah, it's great if a guy's a nice athlete. But at the end of the day, interior alignment, they just got to battle and compete. Now there's technique, of course. There's always technique at every position. But at some point, you know, 
you just got to battle and compete, and you got to get guys blocked. You know, if you're facing Chris Jones, you know, yes, yeah, sure, you want to play with great technique, and that's the way coaches coach it. But you know what? Sometimes he defeats your technique, and then you've got to compete, yeah. and you just got to get him blocked by by any means necessary. <laughs> so you know, you know. So yeah, but I've been very fortunate because you know, and and I've had guys who are offensive line guys tell me that I know more than I think I know, but I'm not necessarily, I don't feel when I watch offensive centers for instance, that I can sit here and say, man, that's I know everything about playing the, the offensive center position. But like I said, I've had coaches and other people who, who played O-line in the league that I know well tell me I know way more than I think I know, but, you know, so be it. Uh, Kirby, I don't think anybody's ever told me that I know way more than I think I know <laughs> in my entire life. I, I'm still waiting on that compliment right, right, at some right, point. Right. Uh, so let's talk about Troy Fotanu, the uh, the Oregon well, left the Oregon, tackle here. Yeah. Six foot four, three hundred. No, he's from Washington. Excuse me, yeah, Washington, yeah. Oregon State is the is Suaga. Suaga. Yeah. Uh, six foot four, three twenty, uh, coming out of Washington, the college football's best offensive line group in total. What do you see when you watch him on tape? He's a fascinating guy. Now, here's a guy that really uses his hands. They're unrefined, but he uses them. Yeah. And he's violent and active with them. So he is a very proactive pass protector. Um, he's very good at what we call the independent arm technique, which I'm sure he's been taught, where you take your inside arm and you just, if you feel that the edge pass, that the pass rusher is working toward the edge to challenge your edge, you just take your inside arm and hit his inside shoulder. And, and, you know, it's just almost like a quick strike. And then yeah. you pull it back so you don't lose balance. And all that does is it slows the pass rusher down. All you're trying to do is slow him down for half a beat. That's all you need. You know, don't forget, quarterbacks have to get rid of the ball, theoretically, in 2.5 seconds or less. So if you can just force that edge rusher to kind of have to recalibrate even for half a beat, that means a lot. Yeah. And he uses his hands, like I said, I think he needs to be taught a little refinement of how to use his hands, but they are violent, they're active, they're quick. The issue for him, and he's six four three twenty, which sounds, you know, big, but he's built very compactly. It would not surprise me if a lot of O line coaches see him as a guard and not a tackle. Um so that would be my sense. Uh I think he could play tackle, but I think I think you'll get both sides of the the coin on that one some guys will say yes he can transition as a tackle there'll be other coaches who'll say no he's a guard but i think he's a really good prospect uh when you when you talk about uh, it's not just on the offensive lineman that the quarterback you know theoretically in a perfect world 2.5 seconds is how for example espn judges stuff like pass rush win sure. rate and pass blocking yeah, yeah. Win rate, things like that uh brian callahan has talked about protection as a holistic offensive problem quarterbacks wide receivers without question offensive line and i think that fans kind of get caught up in no this position group is solely responsible for protecting right. the quarterback and that given that the titans are picking Look, number seven and that there will be elite talent all over the place it's a conversation that's been going th- back th- and forth. let's think of it this way you call a play okay now when you call a play a pass play obviously is what we're talking you call a pass play there's a drop associated with that, with the quarterback. It's either a three-step drop, a five-step drop, a seven-step drop. There's timing associated with each one of those. If you call a three-step drop play, you want the ball to be out in 1.5 seconds. If you call a five-step drop play, you want the ball to be out in 2.1 seconds. If you go with a deep shot and it's seven-step drop, you want the ball to be out in 2.5 seconds. The routes have to time up with the drop of the quarterback. Yeah. The routes have to sync with the drop of the quarterback. You know, how many times do we see, and I see it 
you know, a meaningful number of times where the quarterback drops back and he's ready to throw and the receivers have not completed their routes and he has nowhere to go with the football and then the offensive line is blocking for the, the depth of the quarterback drop. They're not blocking for more than that and then so then they get beat because they're blocking up to a certain point right. and then people say, well, their left guard stinks, you know, but there's a breakdown in the whole timing of the play, and I'm sure that's what Brian Callahan means. Everybody has to be involved. You know, when you call that play, you expect the ball to come out. Now, is it going to come out 100% of the time? No, because there's a defense on the field too. But that's, how, that's when you call a play, that's what you're expecting. And within those, that timing, not so much a three-step drop, which you're not reading you're not going through a big progression on a three-step because in 1.5 seconds the ball has to come out. But once you get to five-step timing, you know, there's timing within that to go through a progression. So the routes still have to time up, not just the primary route, but the other routes that are part of the route concept and combination have to time up with all of that. And that's how everything works together. Yeah. Greg, uh, it's always great to see you, buddy. I'm so excited for the live show oh, coming up on wait. May the yeah. 3rd. Uh, for those of you who did not go last year, uh, you missed out. I know a lot of people had FOMO once we sold out of tickets for the first time around. Again, May the 3rd, doors open at 6 for you. Well, maybe don't buy, Greg, too many drinks before we start the live <laughs> podcast. I, however, am open for business. Right, right, so right. So we'll open the doors, you know, <laughs> how I wade my way through setting Greg up. You know, we'll, we'll determine the level of efficiency at that point. But doors open at 6. Uh, we'll start the show at 7. It's going to be at the Analog in the Hutton Hotel on May the 3rd. That's just a couple of days after the NFL draft. It's, so Yeah, it's that uh, Friday after the draft. It'll be fresh in everybody's yeah. minds. We'll be going through the entirety of the Titans draft class, whatever that looks like. If it's seven picks where they currently have now or whatever the, you know, the, the trades and situations like that yield. But I, I couldn't be more excited for the event. I can't wait to get back in front of everybody. Can't wait to have the audience back in front It'll of us. It'll be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. Always enjoy seeing yeah. you, my friend. All right, Buck, thanks. That's Greg Cosell of NFL Films. We'll keep the discussion going with some more prospect talk. Live from the NFL Combine, our coverage presented by Two Rivers Ford. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone. Searching HVAC near here. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Wow. Nobody local? Huh. Wait, what? We are an HVAC company literally in your neighborhood. Why is she not seeing us? Just all the big chains. Well, it is what it is. What in the... Can you not see See us? us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local HVAC providers. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at CumulusBoost.com. Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? She is the least credible person I may have ever seen on camera. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Guys, not everything is 40 chess. Why can't we just laugh? Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. We all know I'm the number one rapper in the world thanks to Facts by Tom McDonald. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Appreciate Greg Cosell for stopping by. You can check out that on the YouTube channel uh, after we're wrapped up with the show. Lucas will 
or Jackson and somebody will make sure whether Lucas is eating peanuts or Jackson is uh, available to do it. However, they're uh, disseminating the the work that needs to be done back there. Somebody will have it up. Peanut butter crackers today. Peanut butter crackers today. Kirby has many complaints about peanut butter crackers that he uh, gave me yesterday, but we don't have time for that. Hit the music. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about the SEC. Let's talk about Nick Saban and Josh Heupel in the SEC. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about the SEC. Let's talk about Brian Kelly and Greg Sankey in the SEC. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about SEC prospects. Let's play a game, Buck. I'm going to throw you the best prospect at these position groups, we're going quarterback, offensive tackle, running back, wide receiver, edge rusher, and corner, all apart from quarterback needs of the Titans, but quarterback for obvious reasons. We will start with the best quarterback prospect out of the SEC is Jaden Daniels. Yes. Yes. No debate there, obviously. Uh, the most interesting quarterback prospect in the SEC, I'm going to say, okay. go ahead. Well, I, I think you and I are going to have the same answer, but I, I'm between, uh, I'm between Spencer Rattler, and Milton here, um, for no other reason than than local interests, and also I'm just fascinated to see the discussion around Joe Milton. See, I'm just going Spencer Rattler here, just uh, straight up, just straight up, because to be honest, I know what we're going to do with Joe Milton this week. <laughs> I know how this is going to go. I know yeah, he's going seen to the crush. story before. Have you? Yes, and, and that's what's going to be maybe a little bit frustrating, too, for Vol fans in these storylines around Joe Milton, where it's going to be about he tested well and how athletic he is. I think he's going to crush in interviews just from a personality standpoint, right? Teams are going to like getting to know Joe Milton the person because Joe Milton is a very good person. But we've seen this song and dance over and over and over again, and I just don't know at what point we look at Joe Milton and say, look, it's just there's a very significant ceiling there, right? We're just unable to marry the traits with the processing, with the footwork, and with having what it takes to be a competent NFL starting quarterback. Whereas with Spencer Rattler, I feel like there's a lot of things to work with there, and he had a fantastic Senior Bowl week and Senior Bowl game where he was the MVP. So, yes, Milton obviously will have interest locally, and we'll have interest for how well he tests at the Combine, but maybe I'm biased in saying I, I've just seen this a million times with Joe. Well, I think I think we tend to be jaded a little bit with Joe Milton <laughs> rather than the rest, because I do think that there's a level of discourse up here in Indianapolis this week um, for, for all the same reasons that you've just outlined, but you've already been, we've all already been as, as, a, as a listening audience and uh, between the two of us, we've been through the Joe Milton experience, the way that people are going to drool over him, this, that, and the other. And then when it comes to actually playing the position of quarterback, Spencer Rattler, I think, is the more intriguing prospect. Who you want? Who you want to talk about at wide receiver? Who's the best wide receiver prospect out of the SEC in this class? I think we're both going to have the same answer. It's Malik Neighbors. Uh, it is my most interesting. You tell me how you feel about Ricky Pearsall as the answer to this question out of Florida. Uh, he was going to be my 1B. I didn't know if you were going to let me have two because Lad McConkey is still my 1A. Um, his his utilization, Greg and I actually talked about Lad McConkey on the last, uh, not this, uh, this obviously today, but the last episode that we did of the podcast uh, where I asked Greg for, you know, just a prospect at the end outside of the top four that we covered. 
Lad McConkey as a prospect coming out of Georgia at this point, Cooper Cup at the NFL level is a much, much different discussion, right? So when people hear pro comparisons and you mention the name Cooper Cup, obviously they're going to say, well, he's not Cooper Cup. He's not even remotely Cooper Cup. But was Cooper Cup at East, uh, was Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup at Eastern Washington, Lucas? No. He was the a great player no. at Eastern Washington, but sure, no, he but didn't. Not, he, we, no, he was not, not a, a potential MVP candidate wide receiver the way that we saw him. I'll tell you, Cooper Cup within the Rams' offense and within within the scope of of what Sean McVay was able to design. He wasn't getting the hype coming into the draft that Lad McConkey is. Like I feel like we know what Lad McConkey is and what he can be. Whereas Pearsall, there's still some question marks right about about his size, about his play strength, but he's just so fascinating to me. I think he had the best catch. Uh, of the season in the SEC yes. with that one-handed snag against Charlotte. I mean, he's he's got really long speed. I don't know how good he's going to be at the 40, but once he picks up steam, uh, he can win as far as running those deep routes, and he was just such, such a consistent threat for Florida, at times their only threat. Whereas Lad McConkey, I love Lad McConkey. He's getting a ton of hype, but I feel like we know exactly what he is, and that's not a bad thing. Lad McConkey might end up being a first-round pick. Uh, honorable mention for me, Aeneas Smith out of uh, yeah. uh, Texas A&M. Uh, 5'10", 200 pounds. He's, ju- he's going to be 23 by the time the NFL season starts, but that would just be my honorable mention at the wide receiver spot. Uh, Xavier, Le- Xavier Leggett, too, is an intriguing one. He he put up big numbers at South Carolina despite the lack of an offensive line, and he was basically being double-teamed all season, but uh, but I know his size concerns are there. And Anyway, running backs are fascinating. I don't know the answer to this. You tell me. Uh, Ray Davis, Cody Schrader, Jalen Wright. Who's the best running back prospect out of the SEC? It's probably Jalen Wright. I mean, I think it's Jalen Wright, given his given his measurables, given the way that he he uh, given the way that they used him within the Tennessee offense, given his ability uh, to to hold up in pass pro. Just a, the most well rounded of the SEC prospects. It feels like Jalen Wright to me. Yeah, he's got the home run speed. He can run between the tackles. It was fun watching him improve over the course of his time at Tennessee. Uh, it, it's... Now, I would say before, but just to just to clarify, because we're only doing SEC prospects, yeah. and we'll keep it moving. Uh, I think there's a pretty considerable drop off, or at least there's a discussion. Uh, people up here talking about prospects seem to think that there's a pretty big drop off between Jonathan Brooks, the Texas running back, and Jalen Wright. And then Blake Corum, how does Blake Corum kind of factor into that discussion? Is it kind of, is it right now Corum and Brooks, and then we get into that next tier, or is that does that kind of still need to be sussed out that we can address it again after this week? No, I in fact I I I would be more inclined to put Brooks in a tier of his own and put Wright and mm. Corum in, in a similar tier. Interesting. Okay, edge rusher. There's really two for me here. Dallas Turner, the best edge rusher prospect out of the SEC. Uh, yes, because Jared Verse plays for Florida State. Yes, and Darius Robinson, these are two very different prospects, right? Turner is the, the athletic, the burst off the edge, and Robinson is, is the power and the bull rusher and more size, more strength. But I don't know, how much do you expect to see Darius Robinson rise this week? I know he was meeting with media earlier today. Yeah, uh, a.k.a. Chop. Uh, yes. I think that... Great uh, nickname I, for an edge rusher. I, it, it really is the one of the best edge rush, pass rushing nicknames. Chop Robinson uh, is phenomenal. Um, he he's he probably not that this is a measure of you know how how much the combine is going to help him, but he definitely had the biggest crowd of all the defensive line edge prospects that were speaking 
earlier today. So I do think that given his athleticism, and he's always been an athleticism-plus player, it's just the level of consistency. And I don't, I don't want to say that, that there's a level of effort that people talk about with Chop Robinson, but that has been a part of the discourse. I will say that Chris Braswell at Alabama, if we're just going to go SEC prospects, if Dallas Turner's one, Chris Braswell's two. What, did we drop, Lucas? No, just got to run. Okay. Is that it? What's up, folks? Anthony Armstrong here. Bob Popple, along with Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Hey, NFL fans. This is Solomon Wilcox, former NFL safety and host of the Believe in Bengals podcast. Catch my show and all 32 Believe NFL podcasts. Listen in to former players give their inside perspective on your favorite team. Search Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. It's always football season, wherever you listen.